0: Welcome. If this is your first time here, welcome, man. I'm so, I'm so excited for just for everything. I don't know, man. I just, I, I have this weird, f- excited feeling, and I don't know why. And, and I've felt it for the last few days. I just feel like there's, I know there's so much going on, and there's there's so much, um, weirdness or oddness happening in the world at the moment. But there is this just. Incredible peace and this incredible understanding that he is king. He is still on the throne. He is still ruling and reigning. He has everything in his hands and he knows you. He knows us. He loves us. He cares for us. He has a plan and a purpose and that is incredibly exciting to me. The children, do you want to say anything or do you want me to do it? I'll do it. I'm on it. All right, the children, if you have a child and you are going to send them upstairs to our new fantastic things that are happening, the program that we are going to run for the kids will start as school starts back, but we still have a program running up there for now. So there is a juniors room, which is one year old to five year old. There is a primary room, which is year prep to year six, and then there is a youth room which will run programs throughout, and you will hear as we go along. If you're a parent, please can you sign your kids in. There is a QR code on each of the doors of the room that they will go into. Scan the QR code, fill out the information. That is for your safety and for ours. Please, thank you. The kids this morning are going with. Have I missed anything? There will be QR codes. They are done. They're ready to rock and roll. Just bear with us. But come talk to Kayla when you get upstairs. Kayla is going to to run and make stuff happen up there. So if you have a child and you'd like to take them, go now. Or forever hold your peace. Hey, Josh, Josh, just before you go, can you give me a little smidge? Oh, yeah, can I just get a smidge more on this? Yes, please. The other thing, as the children go and the, the stomping up the stairs takes place, if you, if you are a part of this house, i.e., we have your information and you are in our system, you receive our text messages, this is not for you, but if you are not a part of this house and you haven't decided that yet or you're still working it or you're just visiting, can you please not right now, we can do it there, but can you please sign in on the QR codes at the back? It's a pain in the patella. I understand this, but we have to do it for our own safety and for everyone else's safety. So if you please, if you are not a part of this house, you can scan in. If you want to become part of this house, come chat with me. Or if you, ha- if you don't have the app, come chat with me. We can make that happen. But if you are not a part of this house, just use that, scan in, so that if something goes askew, we can send out. If you are, we have your details. And even if you weren't here, you will get a text message to say something's gone askew in someone's health. Fantastic. Is that okay? Does everyone understand? I'm excited for everyone. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just come right now and ask that you speak here this morning. Lord, let us hear your voice. Let let our spirit respond to the things that you're saying. God, help me to get out of the way. Lord, help my voice to not be in this and allow you to say what you want to say this morning. God, I just pray that anything comes from my mouth that's not from you, may it fall away. But The things that you want to say here this morning, may they take root in our heart and may they grow and challenge and change us. In your beautiful name we pray, amen. So during the week I was reading, just reading through scriptures and every now and again I'll just flip to a, a psalm and just grab a psalm and just have a read and read. I don't know, sometimes I just like to do that, just grab a random one. And during the week, this random one jumped out at me and it kind of said exactly what I wanted to speak on this morning. And so I I took it as a confirmation as we pastors and leaders like to do is to just take a random verse as confirmation that what we wanted to preach on is right. So I did that this morning and it's from Psalm 68, 6, and it says this, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And I I started to ponder on this verse and just think through what what this means. And I I became quite challenged by that word families because for those of you who know, I have a very unusual family, very um, mixed, obviously not as unusual as some, but I have four older brothers. That makes me the fifth of, of five boys to my mom and my dad. And then my mom and my dad split and remarried and they had kids in their remarriage. So it becomes quite an unusual, um, dynamic family. So I started to ask God, well, what does family look like? And as I started to ponder more and more on this thing, the, the Christmas time that we just had away jumped into my mind. So I have four older brothers. That makes five. With, their, with all their partners, that makes 10. And then with the, the new grandchildren that we now have, or well, my dad's grandchildren, um, my nieces and nephews, we have four of them. So I'm going to get bad at Mass, but we then lose that. So we get to like 13 or 15. No, we're at 5 or at 10, we're at 14. Then I have a stepbrother and a stepsister on my dad's and my my stepmom's side. And they have kids. They have stepkids as well. So then you go those two. So in the end, Christmas becomes this big, massive group of people gathering at my dad's place because my dad said, hey, would you guys all come for Christmas? And I found it quite tricky because to all the grandkids, we all became Arnie and uncle. So we've got these little kids that are four, five, three, and they're trying to remember, we all look the same, my brothers, all but one. One looks a little different, but we all look the same. So everyone was uncle Ben, uncle, I just said, hey guys, let's just settle this and go uncle and Arnie. If you're a male, you're uncle. If you're a female, you're Arnie. It's just too too complicated for the kids. But then I started to think through who was there and I, I was like, man, this is so complicated. But the reality was was that all of these people were family and all of these people became family along the way. And then you get to Christmas Day and Dad invites people along or someone comes and it's just that random friend who's always been around for a while. So he now becomes uncle as well. And it becomes this weird sort of journey of people are in this house and all these people have gathered and we don't really know who's who or who fits in how. But the reality is, is that we're all family. I've got uncles and aunties that I call uncle and aunty that aren't really my uncle Arnie. In actual fact, I have no idea who they are or how they fit in. And as we sat at lunch one day while I was with my dad, we started talking about his family. And he got confused about the line and the people that were in his family and who really was our auntie and our uncles. Because along the way, fake aunties and uncles had become real aunties and uncles. So as I started thinking through this, I thought, God, I don't know that we really have a a great idea or understanding of what family looks like. But what happened at Christmas was my dad rang all my brothers and said, guys, I'm putting Christmas on at my house. I'd like you all to come. So what happened was, regardless of what our situation was going to look like, regardless of beds, of food, of anything, dad asked us to come. So we go. And we all show up. And when my brothers get together, it is a rigmarole. It's, it's nonsense. Everyone trying to talk louder. You're in a room that starts at a good decibel. And by the end, everyone's yelling and the wives all leave because it's too loud. But we're like, what? Well, this is just normal, right? But what, what, what I, when I started to ask God was, Lord, what does your family look like? What are we supposed to actually look like? Because at, at, at Christmas time, I, I began realising that although these are my brothers and we come from the same mum, we're so different. And along our Christmas journey, there was a few blow-ups, there was a few wrestles, there were some dis, um, disagreements and some misunderstandings that happened in family. But as we left, we left as brothers and now we stay as brothers. But I realised this Christmas, these guys aren't like me. They're different to me. They think differently. They live their life differently. Jess and I were talking about kids, watching our nieces and nephews and chatting about, well, I don't know if we would do that or I don't know if that's how I would parent. But what we realized was even though they were my brothers, they were so different. And then I rang, I spoke with, with one, of my, one of my brothers when we were back home and he said, you know, I just can't understand why this brother doesn't think like that. I said, because he's not like you. He's different to you. That doesn't make him not your brother. That just means he's different to you. So as I started asking God, what, what is it? What is it that we are? What, what is it that makes us your family? And he took me to Ephesians 2. As I started reading this, I started to, to weep because I realized what it is. I realized who we're supposed to be. Ephesians 2, chapter 18. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. It says this. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So as I started to realize, God opened my eyes and He said, that Christmas lunch that you all went to was called by the Father. You came, my brothers and my family came to my dad's house because my dad had asked. We went for the Father, not anything else but it was that everything else that took place that changed and made our Christmas lunch look a particular way. But the reason we came together was because the Father asked us to come together. And when we leave, even though we leave in disagreement or maybe not looking the same, we leave knowing it's in Him that we've become brothers and sisters. It's through my dad that I have a connection to my brother. Regardless of what takes place, regardless of how much we fight, regardless of whether we walk away and we never talk to each other again, he always remains my brother because of my father. Does that make sense? So I started to realize, God, what you're saying is that as the church, when we gather together, we gather because you've asked us to gather. We come together because Sean is my brother in you. So regardless of my disagreement with Him, regardless of my position or my dislike or my anger toward Him, it's because of the Father that He becomes my brother. It's because of the Father that I gather with Him and I join with Him to worship and glorify God. So I started to unpack this thing. I started to look and break down my Christmas Day lunch. And it was quite interesting when I started to look at the dynamic. But there was something that really challenged me in a way that we see the local house we see a community of believers coming together when we pulled up at my father my father lives my father lives in a um quite a big house he it's, it's two houses sort of joined together cuz my my step grandfather and my step uncle great uncle I'm not sure how it works to be honest but they sort of live in the same, it's just two houses. They have one side and my, my, my dad and my stepmom look after them but they have their own side of the house. So it's this big long house and as we pulled up, Jess and I were, were camping and we haven't camped probably for a year so we had all this set up and there was a lot to do but we pull up with my brother and as we're pulling up to the house we, we, we get out of the car and, and my, my stepbrother, my dad and one of my other brothers, I realize I've said brother a lot and I'm going to say it a lot more but just roll with me here. So as we pull up um, to to set up our camp, my dad, my stepbrother come over. And without hesitation, I'm reversing the car and I'm stopping. And as the cars stop, my dad goes to the back and starts winding the winch down on the trailer, unclipping the trailer from my car and starts helping me set up my camper. While my stepbrother starts helping my other brother. And all of a sudden, there's, there's eight of us around two campers helping me and my other brother set up our camp. Now, no one had to do that. There was no, no, hey, can someone come help us? You guys need to chip in. It was just this thought of my family's here. I want to go and help. Why? Because once they're set up, there'll be a cool little set up over here and then they'll come and help me set up my camp. But it it, it was just something that took place. And then Christmas Day comes around. As Christmas Day comes around, my stepmom loves to put on a multitude of meats. We don't need that many meats, but she likes to have one of every animal in the kingdom. Fish, yeah, yeah, you, Joe knows what we're saying here. Fish, bug, no one eats bugs or, or prawns, but we'll have them. We've got to have them, right? So Christmas Day lunch is this, for my dad and for my stepmom, is this like just mammoth task. They're up at they're up at Sparifart and they're going, they're cooking, there's barbecues, there's things. But this year was really different because all of a sudden, my brothers, are family. they've got families of their own. So all of a sudden, now everyone starts thinking, how do we achieve Christmas Day lunch? So I go over and I start the barbecue. Another brother is, is cleaning up all the table and the stuff from the night before. All of a sudden, everyone's picking up a part. Everyone's doing a bit. Everyone's leaning in. No one's asked. And you could see my dad was delighted that we were all helping, delighted that we were all chipping in. But not only two, you could see the weight on his shoulders start to, the, and he started to relax, He started to ease. So all of a sudden, the list that was on dad's, as long as dad's arm started to smallen and he started to relax, he started to enjoy. So then fun started coming and we're ripping on each other, we're joking, we're laughing. You know, someone's trying to set the table, so someone's kind of unsetting it. So now, instead of it being this tense task, it became this enjoyable, fun setup for Christmas Day lunch. Each person... My Jess was amazing. Jess was in the kitchen going behind each person as they dirtied a the dish. Jess would clean it and put it back in the shelf. And what happened was it made this process really fun, really exciting. But the other thing too was when we sat down for lunch, everyone sat down with this accomplishment in their heart. We built this. We did this. As a community, as a people, we made this lunch. And when you eat it, when you you eat the the pork you've cooked and everyone's saying, hey, well done, man. And then, oh, you did the the greens, well done. And everyone is excited because everyone's chipped in. But then all of a sudden when, when lunch finishes, everyone knows when Christmas lunch finishes and you've eaten four times the amount you should have and everyone's like, oh, we don't want to move. But then you look into the kitchen, you look at the table and there's mess everywhere. This year, I kid you know, I've never seen this before in my family, everyone stood up at the same time. Everyone stood up at the same time and started packing stuff away. And I didn't think about this then, but as I was asking God, what does family look like? I realized it didn't matter that we were steps, twice removes, this guy and that guy in my father's house. When we all had come together, we were all there for him to celebrate Christmas with him. None of that mattered because we all saw what needed to be done to ease the, my father, to ease the work that he was going to do. We came together as one body to achieve the task so that all of us could enjoy it, so that all of us could be a part of it. And then I, rem, I was reminded of a sermon I heard by a guy named Banning Leapshire, who preached and he, and he was explaining that, that the church is not a business it's not a business. And he explains that the church, the body of people is to operate like a, a um, he uses, um, what's the Christmas holiday? Thanksgiving. He uses Thanksgiving. But, but for me, I realized we're supposed to look like a Christmas lunch. The church is not supposed to be a restaurant. This is not supposed to be a place. I don't know about you, but when I go to a restaurant, I enjoy going to a restaurant. I enjoy fine dining. If I was a multi squillionaire I would eat fine dining every night. I like it. I like the experience. I like the way they, it just excites me. I watch a lot of cooking shows now because I do, I get excited by how they do this. But when I go into a restaurant, in, my, in the back of my head, I expect a certain level of, of servanthood from the, from the restaurant. I want to walk from the, from the front to my table and I want to sit there and from that position, I want to taste the entire restaurant. And I don't want to have to move unless I have to go to the toilet, which I will attempt not to so that I don't have to move, and I'll do it on the way out. But the reality is, is I want to sit down in that chair and I'm going to have someone come over. Sir, sparkling or still? Sparkling. Then the next party's going to come over. Would you like to see a drinks menu? You bet your bottom dollar I want to see a drinks menu. Then he comes over. Oh, we've got appetizers. They're, they're selling me the food as I'm sitting there. What's, your, what's on the specials board? Don't just read it to me. Sell me on the specials board. Tell me how he makes it. Why he makes it. Because I'm excited, but I don't want to do anything. And then God showed me that if that was to happen at my household, if I was to come home from a day's work and plonk myself on the couch and say, Jess, sparkling, sparkling to start with, and I'll see the menu. What are we having for dinner? No appetizers. You're kidding me, right? That wouldn't work in my household, right? I'd be all by myself. I'd be getting beans on toast and I'd have to cook the toast. So when we go home, we change our expectation when it comes to food. We change our expectation when it comes to being at home with my family. It's the, same, it's the same on Christmas Day. You've always got that one uncle or that one brother who does this much. Zero, right? There's always that one uncle and he's yelling, he gets the kids to get his drinks and he just does nothing. And then it comes time if, if like my family, given it's a big family, it comes for the dollar bills. Right, So uh, in our family dinners, everyone chips in so that whoever's doing it doesn't have to do it all. Then it comes to the, the, the chip in, right? And they're nowhere to be seen. All of a sudden, they're not in the couch they were in before. They're gone. Or there's a whinge for the price. Or there's, so there's always that one. Or they sit there and the food's been cooking all day. They haven't touched it. And then they, get, they go, oh, the chicken's a bit dry, isn't it? But there's always that one, right? Because they're treating a home setting like like a restaurant. And that's not what it is. And what happened with the church, particularly in the West, was that we created a restaurant-style church. We created a system where from the drive-in to the exit-out, we will pat your back and we will hold your hand from beginning to end all the way through the process. And unfortunately, what we're left with now is a generation of people who do exactly that. They come in, they sit in their seat, and they wait for the waiter to come and give them their things. To the same point that we have created that culture, we have mimicked that culture in our worship. Where for some weird unknown reason, if the band doesn't play quite right enough, I can't enter into the courts of heaven. So God designed this phenomenal setting for us to be able to enter and worship in the courts face to face with him. But if Sean's guitar is a little bit out of tune, all of a sudden we lose that ability. So what God, the creator of, of the heavens and the earth, created for us to sit face to face can be tweaked by the lights not being the right size, or the right, or the room not being the right temperature, or the guitar not being in tune enough. What we did was we said, me not getting into the courts of heaven is his fault because he didn't lead worship right. So what we did was we created a people who come and they plonk themselves in the seat and say, gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. I've come to get what the Lord's going to give me. And what we failed to do was teach a people that this is a war ground. This is a battlefront. You've been given a suit of armor and a sword not to hang out and sit on the chair. Armour and a sword is not for times of peace. Armour and a sword is for times of war. So all of a sudden in a time of war where we have armour on, we don't need to be in a time of peace. So all of a sudden we start thinking and changing our perspective to say, okay, this is not a restaurant. Nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to come and give me the things that I need to pat my back to ensure that I feel good, to ensure that I've got the parts. We have to be a people that moves from consuming to contending, from consuming and taking to contending to realize why have I got armor on? Why am I holding a sword? Because I need to contend. I need to fight for the things that are before me. Contend means to struggle or to overcome a difficulty to struggle or to overcome a difficulty. God wouldn't have given us armor if we weren't going to take some hits. God wouldn't have given us armor if we weren't going to take some hits. So we cannot expect to walk through and just get and get and get and get and then get to the end and go, I don't understand why this Christian life was was not what I thought it was going to be. We have to be a people who stop going to church and start being the church. That's what we have to learn how to do. My heart beats for the local church. I have wrestled. Last year, I spent a lot of time in prayer. Is this important? And every time I came out of a prayer time, this is important. This is important. This is important. Gathering the people is important. But it's not just church here on a Sunday morning. You'll notice that on our door, this isn't called our community church because we didn't want to link the the neurological pathway to say that when you enter the door, now you're in church, and when you exit, now you're finished church. The sign on the door says our community. This is the building for our community. But this... This is the church. We, the people, are the church. And we're the church at work, we're the church at home, we're the church everywhere we go. But there's a church in two settings. There's the church scattered and there's the church gathered. Right now, we are a small section of the church gathered. And this afternoon when we go home, we will be a a, a small section of the church scattered back into our lives, back into our environments. But when I start thinking to myself, why do we gather? It's because of this, the Father asked us to. So what should our gathering look like? Our gathering should look exactly like the Father asked it to look. Worship and glory of Him. Worship and glory of Him. This stuff, this stuff, it's just side. it wouldn't have mattered if my dad lived in a camper trailer out the back of Kyogle, we still would have gone. It wouldn't have mattered if he said, hey guys, we don't have 47 meats for Christmas lunch, we've only got a sausage sandwich, we still would have gone. And we would have come together. Why? Because the father was there. Why? Because he asked us to. And we come with our hearts burnt on glorifying him, on loving on my dad one of the reasons that we all gathered this year was that we haven't really spent a lot of we we don't spend a lot of time together we live all over the country and we all do different jobs and half of us don't know what the other half do for a living and it's it's just we don't know we just don't we we, we speak all the time but we don't get to come together together very often And we hadn't been for Christmas with my dad for a very long time. So every phone conversation I had with my brother, it was my my brothers, it was always about what's dad going to want? What's dad going to want for Christmas? I don't know if we should do that, but dad wants us to. And dad's called us, so let's just do what dad's asked us to do. You know, our Dad wants to, he wants to put this thing together where we all do this stuff and it's going to be boring and it mightn't be very good. It doesn't matter. Dad wants it and we want to just please him. We want him to have a good time. We want him to enjoy the Christmas. So when we bring that into our contemporary setting with the church, what, what should it look like? Whatever's going to please the Father. What should we do? Whatever pleases the Father. Should we, have, should we have this or should we have that? Is it going to please the Father? Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Well, if it is, let's do it. And if it doesn't and it's too hard, let's get rid of it. See, I'm all for us going through the system, the Sunday morning gathering, because this is the only one we do corporately together and, and, and looking at it and removing the things that aren't serving the Father, that aren't glorifying the Father, that aren't, aren't bringing His majesty closer, aren't ushering in His kingdom. Let's get rid of them. Let's get rid of it. Why? Because I want to do what pleases the Father. Revival in this city, revival in this nation will take a people contending against darkness. But we cannot move to that until we move past the church not looking after my needs, the church not having the right amount of stuff, the church not looking like I want it to look. When we're focused on that, we can't be focused on revival in a city, in a nation. When we're inward looking, we've gone through Job, we went through Habakkuk, God constantly, with these prophets, God constantly took them to a place where at the end of their struggle, he revealed himself. He said, this is who I am. Am I worthy enough? Job, this is who I am. Am I worthy enough? And Job goes to his knees. You are worthy. I'm sorry. I made it about me. What we have in 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 this church at the moment, not this church, but the church, the global church, is a big problem that we're looking inwardly. Jeepers. Someone's just been wrestled up there, I reckon. The children are safe? Children are safe. Did they sign in? Did you guys sign in? Yeah. Yeah, did you sign the waiver so I i not get in trouble? Go to Ephesians 4, chapter 11. Paul continues this on. He creates this image of family, he creates this image of a people who come together. He creates this understanding of God will set us in this place. This is what it's to look like to join his people, to become a family, become citizens with him, joined together with Christ as the cornerstone. And then later on in in chapter 4, he goes on to explain, he goes on to explain the gifts, to explain the fivefold ministry. He says this, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Gifts given in order to equip the saints to do the tasks that had been asked. I don't have time to go in that. We will in a few weeks, but for now, I'm just gonna, I just want to move down to what he says after. For the building up of the body of Christ, all believers founded in him, until we all obtain, until we all obtain, attain rather, to the unity of the faith, And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed we, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are to mature into adulthood. Mature into adulthood. If, if none of us saw Marley for five years, little Marley, if none of us saw Marley for five years, And in five years, we came back and we saw him, and he looked exactly like that. Spoke the same, looked the same. We would go to Sean and Coco extraordinarily concerned, right? Hey, you need to get him checked out. Something's wrong. He's not changed. Five years, he's not changed. That's a problem. But then when we come to the setting... of of the scriptures and we understand that God is asking us to change and develop, to grow up into him, into manhood. And we go around and around and around and around the same mountain and five years comes and we look exactly the same. We know the exact same thing. We, we, We don't know anything more, anything more exciting. And we say, that's okay. I'm on my own little journey. The problem is, no, that's not okay. You've not changed from here to here. It's been five years and you're still suckling on the same milk. We're still preaching the same sermons. You're still doing the same thing. You've not changed one iota. It's been four years, five years, 10, 25 years you've been in the church and you're exactly the same when you first came in. You've not changed one bit. There is a problem there for us. Because the scripture is clear, Paul is clearly saying that we are to mature into manhood. We are to change, to strengthen, to grow. Now we have to understand that there is a time, yes, where we've been, we've been battle weary, we've been, we've been attacked, we've been brutally battled, we need to go in and sit and rest, be cared for, be looked after. I understand that, absolutely, take that time, rest and recuperate but what happens when you get recuperated is you put the armour back on and you go back to the front line and you fight again. What challenges me greatly in the church today is that we have, even in this house, we have incredibly big people in the kingdom of God. Incredibly big. I can't even begin to wonder how many people are out there, incredibly big people in the spirit, incredibly big people in the kingdom of God, not doing anything because they don't know how to grow and to step into what Paul's saying, the maturity and the fullness of your faith. There used to be this saying, I mean, we, it was something that was said when we were growing up, it was predominantly used about dating where it said, don't change for anybody. You shouldn't have to change for your partner. I don't don't ever let anyone make you change. You are beautiful just the way you are. Don't let them. That is nonsense. Nonsense. Imagine if I said to Marley, Marley, don't you let anyone make you change. You stay a toddler. You stay only just being able to walk. Don't don't let your parents change you. It would be nonsense. But yet we carry that teaching over into our lives when we're in our 20s and our 30s and all of a sudden we don't want to change. Please, for the love of the Lord, if I'm exactly the same in five years, someone slapped me. I give you permission. You heard it here first. Why? Because we are supposed to be changing. We are supposed to be growing. We are supposed to be knowing him more each and every day, being fascinated. Do you know how long people have read and studied the scriptures? Generation after generation after generation. And still more and more and more gets revealed, more gets taken. I mean, I read this verse and I'd never seen this before. I read this verse. But, and someone goes, I've, I've seen that. Yeah, but I hadn't. I hadn't seen that. And now I have and it's challenged me. And I want to, man, I want to go more. Change. Change. Change for who he's asked us to change into. Paul says, I'm constantly being renewed. My mind is being renewed. Why? Because I don't quite live up to the fullness, the stature on which I believe I can. And we may be chasing that for the rest of our lives. But what a glorious journey that each step is toward Him. Each step is deeper into Him. Each time I read the Bible is deeper into Him. Each time I bring myself to Him in prayer is deeper into Him. Where else would you rather be? Knowing that each step is deeper and deeper and deeper into Him. Each step takes us closer. In his sermon, Batting Leapshire says that, One of the main manifestations of maturity is personal responsibility. When I got my license, I can remember the day. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, for those of you who are looking at my age. It wasn't a long, long time ago. But I remember the day clearly when I got my license and I became an independent young man. Mum didn't have to take me anywhere. had my own car, had my little red pea plate on there. I could go anywhere I wanted. And there was almost this, this uh, level of responsibility that I now had. And it wasn't long before that that I had my, my job at McDonald's to get me some, some coin in the bank. So now I had my license and I had some coin in the bank. And all of a sudden I became a responsible, all of a sudden I, I was growing up, I was maturing. Because more and more responsibility was given to me. While I was at McDonald's, as I matured more in the job as a a young kid, more responsibility was given, more responsibility, and I I, I grew and grew and grew. That's what God wants to do with us, that as we become more responsible, he gives us more. As we mature more, we pick up more. Uncle Ben from the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time, Tommy McGuire's Spider-Man, said, with great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. God, we, we as a people, the church, the church is asking for God to give us an immense amount of power to see his glory move. But there's a responsibility that comes along with that power. There's a responsibility that comes with the revealing and the renewing of a people. And we have to understand that. We have to learn as a people how to move and how to operate in that. It's time for us to grow up. Okay, I'm going to finish in a minute. In four minutes to seven minutes. Four to seven minutes. As a rough guideline. It's not my job to do your Christian life for you. That's the title of this section that I have. It's not my job to do your Christian life for you. I, 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 love, I love when Moses takes the Israelites to to um, mind blank, the mountain is called Mount Sinai. Because there's a picture that gets painted there for me that's so beautiful, and I've said it so many times from this barrel. But, but all the Israelites were called up that mountain. All of them were called. They all could have gone. But what happened was, was that they said, hey Moses, you're the guy, you go. We'll hang out down the bottom. We'll wait. And what happens is Moses goes up and his life is changed. His whole being is changed because he sees the Father. He sees God. He glimpses the back as he's hidden in the rock. He sees his life is changed. Then he comes down. Obviously, Aaron then goes up and meets him as well. But when they come down, the Israelites are so lost. They're so lost. And as a people, what we have created in the church setting is, hey, Mr. Preacher Man, you go up the mountain and I'll wait here until you get what God's asked you to get. And what we tend to do is we tend to lean on somebody else's responsibility. I don't have to pray for the city because Ben's praying for the city. I don't have to pray for that person because Ben's praying for that person. Uh, uh, These guys are sitting on their own. I don't have to go talk to them. Someone else should go talk to them. So what we do is we escape meaning all the time. But God has put it in your heart. The reason you've seen that is because he's asking you to step into that gap. He's asking you to pray for a nation. He's asking you to pray for a leader. He's asking you to go and sit with that person, to buy that person lunch. Whatever it is, you have to start to understand that we as a people, as the church, are the ones that will usher in the kingdom of God. It's not me and Jess or that leader or this leader or that ministry or that ministry. It's the church, us, the body, the people. And that whole weight could be put on one lonely person at home saying no one else will pick up the gauntlet of praying for this nation, so Lord, I'll do it. If you go back through all the years of revival and renewal in cities, guess who started revival and renewals in the cities? It wasn't the big preacher man. In most cases, it was three or four nobodies who were big somebodies for God. said that gauntlet that's been laid down to usher in a nation's revival and a a, a nation's regeneration god i I don't know if i can but i'll take it me and these three ladies me and these three guys me and these these three people will take that gauntlet lord we will bring ourselves we will pray Why? Because the Father's asked us. We will gather with these. Why? Because the Father's asked us. We will will declare His goodness. We will declare who He is. Why? Because the Father's asked us. We have to stop waiting for somebody else to do it. We have to stop waiting for somebody else to do it. I truly believe, I truly believe that And if you're just visiting, it's okay. This may not appeal to you. But I truly believe that if God has you here, if God has you in a house, in a home, you are there for a specific reason that he's asked you. You're not here because of my preaching. You're not here because of Sean and Coco's worship. You're not here because of the way Josh can whip up a spectacular latte from the back coffee machine. Those things are nice and they're additives to what it is we're doing. You are here. Why? Because the Father asked. And if, you're, if you don't know if the Father asked you to be here, please go and pray. Because if, if he's not asked you to be here, don't be here. Why? Because that will frustrate you in who you are. It will frustrate the house in who they are. And there's another house that he might have asked you to be in who's lacking what you have because God's asked you to be there. If God has put you here, there is a job to do. If God has put you here, there is something that he wants to build in you. There's something he wants to give you, but there's something that you're going to give this house. Where's it going to be? From the barrel and a microphone? Maybe, maybe not. It might be from a coffee at the back. It might be from a conversation on the way in. It might be from a, a, a relationship that you build here that then you meet in your home and you go, man, do you want to go to the park and pray? Yeah, let's go to the park and pray. This is one small setting of the church gathering together to usher in the glory of God. But why not do this small one? We can do 30 others. We can meet in each other's homes every night. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do what the Father asks us to do to usher in the kingdom of God. I don't want this to come across as me slapping you to come into line because if you don't do what you're doing then maybe we won't have the right stuff here on a Sunday morning we won't be able to build my ministry because that's not what I want to do I've said time and time and time and time again I would if God told me to I would happily give it over and let somebody else do it but what I want to do is unlock each and every one of us into who we're supposed to be why? because it's so incredibly refreshing when you achieve what God's asked you to do, when you step into who he's asked you to be, there is a joy that comes into your heart that I can't quite explain. Even times where I know God's asked me to do something and I've not wanted to do it, when I've done what he's asked me to do, there is this immense joy inside my heart. So this is not to make sure you guys get here on time on a Sunday morning so that the seats are filled, so that I feel good about myself, so that I can go to meetings and say, well, we've got a full house That's not what I want to do. What I want to achieve is that your heart gets unlocked to see what God's plan is for your life, to then go and unlock it out there. There's a psychologist named Jordan Peterson. I love his work. I think as a psychologist, he he is incredibly clever. But in his book, 12 Rules for Life, one of the rules is to clean your room. And he goes on to explain that there's a lot of um, social justice warriors out there who want to change the world, but they can't change their own environment. So he says, you're trying to set about to change a, a, a big, big world, but yet you go home and your room's a mess. And what he's, what he's using an analogy to explain the fact that we got to change who we are, then we've got to change our close, immediate sphere, clean our room, do the part that's at home, then that will expand. As we start to mature and step into more of what God has for us, we start to come in to more and more and more of who He is. Now, does that mean if I, if I sweep the back floors and vacuum afterwards or bring snacks or make coffees, that I am I'm living out the perfect will of God for my life? Yes and no. Yes and no. Is sweeping the back floor, uh, ushering in the kingdom of God? It may, but it's a great place to start. Is there something bigger for me? Yeah, there is something bigger for you, but you've got to hear the still small voice to unlock the little bits before the big bits come. I've never, ever said from this barrel that people must serve in this house, ever. Because if your heart doesn't want to serve, I don't want you to serve. So I'll know when you want to serve when you come and say, hey man, I want to serve. How can I do that? Because it shows a bubbling up of your heart. If I make you do something, there's no love there because I'm forcing you against your will. But what we have to start realizing is that God has already put little areas of service in our life. Your neighbor, your job, this house, the sporting place you're at, There's areas of servanthood that where you start to diligently serve God because I want to express your heart, things start to fall in line. More starts to get given. I've said this before, if you've got a heart for single mums, go and find a single mum and start helping that one. Don't wait till somebody gives you a a, a full house where I've now got 60. Just start with one. If you want to start to, to serve and ask God, how am I to serve in who you are? Start with the little things. If you don't know where to start, start with this house. We have many areas that need help. There's many places that need assistance to keep these things going. But since Jess and I started leading, I would rather not have them than make them an issue. So if we don't have enough people to make coffee, we stop making coffee. Why? Because it's more important that we come together to worship that we don't come together to drink coffee. If we don't have enough people in kids' church... We stop Kids Church, we bring all the kids down here until someone gets really upset that there's too many kids and they'll go, I'll take the kids. Right, the stuff, if it gets in the way of our worship and glorification of the Father, we must get rid of it. But at the same time, as a people, if we want the stuff, we've got to get off our bums and start operating. You want to pray for the sick out there? Pray for the sick in here. Start here. Put your hand up if you've got some sort of sickness, some sort of ailment. Come on, get your hand up. Let's get it up. Look at that. It's five, six people. We want to be big Christians out there, but we can't be big Christians in here. There are lonely people in this house. There are sad people in this house. Start here. Pray for those who just had their hand up. Teach those who are asking more of you. When we start here, when we steward what God's already given us here with one another, this is our family. Whether you like it or not, Tim's your brother in Christ. I like it, but you may not. But he's your brother. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross and brought him in as he did you. So now he becomes my brother. Whether I disagree with him or not, when we leave this place, he's my brother, just like my family. He's going to think differently to you. He's going to like different things to you. Sometimes he mightn't shower and he might smell. He showers. He does. But he's your brother. Whether you like it or not, we gather together because the Father asked us to. We worship and we glorify him with those that are around us because the Father's asked us to. And when I leave this place, if Tim needs anything, I will give him my life. Why? Because he's my brother. If Kirsten needs anything, I will give her my life. Why? Because she's my sister. Through who? Through Christ. Because of the Father. As a people, we have to learn to stop coming to church and start being the church. And if we can do it here, we can do it out there. If we can do it here, We can do it out there. I'm going to finish there. I was going to get all the guys who serve and lead the areas of service in this house to come forward. I was going to show you them and I was going to get you to clap them and honor them. And then I was going to put a slide up that has all the different areas that we can serve and say, if you want to come and serve. That was my beginning. But as I've been preaching, I've I've been realizing that this, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to manipulate you because I'm not. I would come to this house at five o'clock in the morning to prepare everything so that we have it. Why? Because I love this place. I love getting the people together. I would cancel coffee, Kids, the whole kit and caboodle. And if this this building got taken from us, we would gather in the park and we wouldn't have those things. Why? Because the fathers asked us to. Those things are nice. Trust me, I love getting here and getting a coffee in the morning or having one after. I love that the kids get to go up and learn and grow in a different environment to this. And that's why we put these things together. I love that we can have instruments that are clear and, and sound great but we don't need those things. But if you want to help, there's a sheet at the back that'll explain everything you need. You can put your name down on it. I told all the guys that this is going to be a really powerful reason for guys to come and help. I'm sorry, team. But I just want a people unlocked to say, God, is this house important to me? If it is, I want to help build it. If it's not, then show me where a house it is. Show me what it looks like to gather where the people can gather. So why don't you stand and we'll just pray. Jesus, God, I I pray that I communicated what you asked me to this morning. God, I just ask, Lord, that whatever it is that you wanted to to sow and to burn in our hearts, that's been done this morning. Lord, I pray that we have heard your voice and only your voice. God, I pray for every person here, Lord, that your heart be revealed for their life and for their journey. God, that your plans and purposes be revealed for them in who they are and who you've asked them to be. Lord, I pray that you help us to operate fully in who you are and what you say. Lord, may we be a people that when you say jump, we say how high. God, may we be a people seek your voice, who seek your heart to go deeper and deeper and deeper inside of you, Lord. God, may you lead us to repentance. God, may you lead us to repentance for the time that we haven't walked, where you've asked us to walk. May you reveal the times, Lord, where you've asked us to turn right and we've turned left. God, may you reveal your heart to us and bring us to repentance God that we may bring ourselves back in alignment with you that we may bring ourselves into who you've asked us to be Lord I pray for this city and for this nation Lord that the things that man have built inside your house crumble to the ground Oh God, I pray, Lord, that you remove the hands of men from your house. God, for the things that we've built, may it fall down. God, but may your hands return to your church to rebuild. May the people you've called come with their eyes set on you and not set on anything else. Jesus, may your will be done in this place. May your kingdom come in our lives, God. Jesus, we love you. We honour you, Father. We glorify your name. You are the Holy One, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We declare your kingship in this house, in this city and in the nation. Have your way, Lord. We love you. And we honor you. And in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.